Hello, welcome to Eat This, Drink That, Season 2, Episode 6. We are uh, taking a new direction this season, and we're going to lead off with Steve Greer, expert of beverages and spirits. And of course, we have Ali, TV host, food connoisseur, and I'm Ryan Crosby, producing. And let's kick it off with Steve's Drink That for today. Man, what are we doing? Drink. We are run- <laughs> We're running through the Rhone. So it's another it's another river. We did not plan this at the beginning of mapping out season two at all. We had the rivers of Spain for episode one. We did the Loire Valley, a very, you know, quick overview of the Loire Valley. With a lot of rivers. With a lot, yeah. There's one, one big there. river. Yep. Now we're going to the Rhone, and this is one of the most important wine rivers in the world. Um, Rhone is a little easier, too, for people to kind of tackle. Um, I did buy a bunch of wine, so it's not just one or two bottles. It's six. We're going to do a a white Rhone. We're going to do two Cote de Rhones, which is almost, Mm. I'm going to bet. I know that Cote de Rhone. I know it. We oh, mentioned that, well, I think, the last cheap episode. And drinkable. Cheap yeah. and drinkable. And I bet it's everybody's entry into the world of French wine without feeling um, fearful of buying it on the shelf. It's yeah. easy to pronounce. Um, it's easy to drink. It's inexpensive. Hey, um, hey, so- wait, is that a thing? I mean, I... I, you know, I, I am so shameless about my butchering of everything. Part of it is kind of a thing for me to just like kind of say words a little weird. Yeah. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes I'm just happy to be off. But does that, I mean, you know, you, you've slang wine for a long time. Does that like intimidate people? Like, yes, if you just give them like a weird name. They're like, I, yep. I, I, I won't, or I won't try. It could be the best freaking wine ever, but they won't get it because they're afraid of saying it. Yes. Yes, especially at a restaurant. Mm. Um, they'll just defer. They don't want to. You're trying to ball. You're yeah. Trying to, you're trying to be the man. You don't want to look like a dummy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is intimidating. Italian wines, German wines. I mean, these are intimidating things to pronounce and even know what they are because most people are just, they want to have a nice glass of wine. They really don't care if it's um, uber special unless someone tells them it's uber special. They're not going to go out and say, I'm only going to drink uber special wine and I want to have my list of 10. Um, they'd rather just say, oh, I know Cote Rome. I know Chateauneuf de Pop. I know Napa Cab. I know, whatever it is, yeah. it's easy for them, especially at a restaurant. But it's also intimidating depending on the wine shop you go to. If that wine shop vendor is kind of snobby and douchey, it's going to be very difficult for people to feel comfortable buying wine and experimenting outside their comfort zone. You know, I think we just hit our mission statement. Yep. We're going to end wine guy douchery. And you know it's true. Between your sommelier stories, I've been there too, you know, where the guy's just, you know, it's weird. It's a car salesman. There, yeah. but but subtle. Like yeah. a spy. Trying to upsell you. Like, mm, we can try this. And I'm like, asshole, it's three hundred dollars. 
bottles 300. No, I'm not. <laughs> I you looked know, up. Also, uh, oh, sorry, ahead, Ryan. Steve. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I was looking up Roan wine, and I, I, I noticed we have some uh, a lot of stuff that we haven't really touched upon yet. I'm seeing um, Syrah. I'm yep. seeing Viognier. I'm seeing yep. um, another word that you haven't really brought up, which is Appalachian, which is yep. kind of, uh, yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of cool stuff for, for this topic. This is going to be a lot of fun. Cool. The Rhone is very easy uh, to understand and to connect with and to enjoy drinking. They're not, and you don't really have to age these wines like you do with a Bordeaux. Huge. Um, I prefer Bordeaux that has at least 10 years of age. Most people aren't going to sit around and put this in a wine fridge for 10 years. So there's a lot of reasons the Rhone is super easy. I'm gonna make one last comment on the uh, douchery of, um, there's, <laughs> there's a self-importance that, comes through when most people are talking about wine. They don't want to inform you. They want to show you what they know. how much they know. <laughs> That's a big difference. Yeah. And if you're just sharing something to inform somebody, it's going to come off a lot less snobby and douchey than if they bumble up and say, do you know that is a pedestrian wine? <laughs> <laughs> I've used that word a couple times this week. Yeah, actually, myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I I use it all the time. I do the motion. I imitate that psalm to a lot of my wine friends, and wow. it's awesome. So let's go to the Rhone. The Rhone actually was the first wine I geeked out on. It was Northern Rhone Syrah um, back in late '90s. Syrahs are red, I, right? This is a red yes, wine. Yes, it's. The Rhone is primarily red wines, but they do make white. They do make rosé. Um, it's divided into two areas. Northern Rhone, which is Syrah, Viognier. Southern Rhone, which is your Cote de Rhone, Chateauneuf de Pop. Um, uh, the villages, Jingendas, uh, Rasto, uh, When Baccarat. you say Jingendas, can you spell that for me? Because I feel like what's really tricky about, frankly, Wines that aren't like that, you know, the American like Cabernet. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it starts with the G. So, okay, G -I, -G. I, was, I knew it. I always said it wrong. I used to go Gigondas. Gigondas. <laughs> Gigondas. It sounds like uh, Quijones or something. Yeah. Well, I was going to so, say. That's the other fun part about the Rhone is there are larger producers, and I chose a couple of the larger producers that you're almost going to find at every wine shop if not grocery store in every state. Okay. So it's a little easier for people that are listening to be able to go grab one. Um, so I'll show you what I did. Uh, there are some interesting facts actually. So let's go back to your point about the grapes. Uh, Syrah, Grenache, uh, Mavedra, and then mm -hmm. in Chateauneuf the Pop alone, they're allowed to use 18 grapes. Um, in one bottle of wine or just in one bottle of wine, oh, but no one's doing all 18, but they're legally allowed to a mix. Okay. Chateauneuf de Pop was the first AOC or Appalachian in all of France. Uh, I think it was 1936. I forgot to look that up. And um, AOC just, I love to just nail the one-on-ones. AOC is the government of France says, 
Yep. This one, if you're going to call it this one, it's got to be this, this, and this, or whatever yep. the rules are. Yeah, they cover alcohol levels. They cover what grapes are allowed to go into it. They cover how, sometimes they cover how it's grown, how it's trained, uh, the soils it can be in. But important part is the line that it has to be. So you can't grow Chateau Neuf de Pop outside this little circle. Mm. Um, and that protects the quality that is in the bottle with that name on it. That's really what it is. And is this, okay. is this an appellation or is this terroir or what, what would we call this, this line? It, so it is based on terroir. Okay. A lot of it is based on terroir. Okay. In Chateau Neuf de Pop specifically, there are uh, different soils. Um, there are these little stones called galets that will hold in the heat at night nice. so it doesn't get too cold. Um, it helps with the ripening of the grapes. All of this really is mute now with um, global warming because Chateau Neuf de Pop is seriously struggling with too high of ripening and too high of an alcohol oh, content. Interesting. So interesting. as your grapes ripen, um, you get more sugar and that sugar translates straight into alcohol. So if you get a grape with a lot of sugar and it ferments dry in the fermentation tank, that could easily get up to 16% alcohol. So I'm okay. trying to figure out ways. I can handle that. I can step. I, 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 if they have a problem and they want to get rid of that. I, <laughs> you know, I will tell you, in my my forays into wine, Chateau de Pop popped up for me. I was making duck. I was making duck, grilled duck brass. And I was told to get that wine. Like I couldn't, it's in, in my, in my recollection, I don't think the bottles start until you, you spend at least like 40, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, okay. And I feel like it was one of those wines that like, <clears throat> it's not like that California Zinfandel that you're just cracking at a party. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. I, I had to make this duck and like, I, I put a lot of work making this duck breast, like yep. this proper. So this is possible. a heavier wine. Was you like, what this more yeah, alcohol these are content? Richer. Beaten, Go ahead, Allie. Not, well, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was one of those things where it's like, I don't think any of them are as heavy as like, if you're like tr going through the paces of Napa Valley Cabernets, oh. you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess they're not like heavier uh, alcohol content, uh, I guess. Mm. No, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's very okay. true. They're not, um, so you're going tiers inside these Appalachian Origin Control A, AOC. Um, it starts with the generic Cote de Rhone, which we have two Cote de Rhones um, that I'll, I'll show you. And then you go into Cote de Rhone Village. You're going to spend a little bit more money. I didn't know this. Um, there's there's yeah. a level. I, Cote de Rhone was yeah. always like good and cheap. You yeah, know? this is good and cheap. One is 15. The other one is 20. Um, then you have, you go into the villages. Your Zingandas, your Vacaras, your Rasto. You can go anywhere from 20 to 40 there. And it's funny you mentioned $40 for Chateau Neuf de Pop. I spent 42 on the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Uh, Charbonnier, it's just a CDP. You can go even higher. Okay, so this is, I really like this producer. That's why I bought it. So to dumb this yeah. down, this is a region. Is this a grape? Like for the, the like Chateau Neuf de Pop? So, like. Great point. The Rhone is a river okay. that runs from the north down to the south into the Mediterranean. It's also a region, um, and it's a large region. 
So, and then inside that Rhone region, you have the north. So St. Joseph, Hermitage, Crow's Hermitage, um, Condrieu, which is 100% being a, uh, those are the Syrah regions up north. They're on granite cliffs, mm. high mountains, really cool. Mm. Um, it's amazing to even look at just to drive through. And then the Southern Rhone, it flattens out. It becomes hot Mediterranean climate mm. in your head that you think of the Mediterranean and that lifestyle. That is Cote de Rhone. That is Chateau Neuf de Pas. It's warmer, hot days, lots of sunshine. The grapes always come to full maturity and full um, sugar levels. And again, to oversimplify, would this be like a champagne sort of situation where you can only call it this if it's produced in yep. that? Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. Almost every AOC in France, well, every AOC in France is that way. Okay. You can only call it Bordeaux if it comes from Bordeaux. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you champagne, Rhone, Loire. Cool. I think so that's one of the start, intimidating actually, things we're gonna, about, about what's wine. That? I think that's one of the intimidating things for people about wine is they, they, they I think we all know the champagne story, but the other ones, uh, it's, it's not as obvious. It's not as whatever marketed the way champagne has yeah. been marketed, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause sham it's so identifiable, but it yep. is a place. Cause really the, the, the first step with wine is like, whatever is on the bottle, does it have to do with the grape or does it have to do with the place? Right. And I feel like place. when you're in France, it's like, where we're at and then what's interesting is as you describe like the hills you know what i mean and then uh, uh, uh of northern rome and then you describe like just the hot weather of southern rome that's changing like how i would approach that wine uh, you know like it's cooling off here i'm thinking yeah. northern rome you know what i mean yeah. i'm not thinking of like that um mediterranean like on the beach having shellfish right. what does this have to do steve with the french riviera again to just get really sort of okay so it's right above okay. the french riviera that is provence is that riviera okay. area where you're getting all those beautiful rosés from okay um and then south of the rhone down by marseille you start going into very difficult to pronounce words that people almost would never ever know what the hell that meant huh. languedoc and roussillon um so oh i would say Ru i i always said roussan which sounded wow. very french to me no no roussan is a grape inside the rhone but roussillon is this region down by the border of spain oh. in the mountains nice yeah Cool. Yeah. So, um, I, was I was on the river and I got a little lost, but <laughs> still in France. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But let's start with a white okay. because right. everybody thinks of Rhone as red, red, yeah. red, red. Um, there are two whites, really. There's Cote de Rhone Blanc or, you know, Southern Rhone Blanc because you can have Chateau Neuf de Pop, you can have Cote de Rhone. And then you have Vignet, Condrieu, up north mm -hmm. uh, in the Northern Rhone. This is from an amazing producer of reds, Chateau Neuf de Pop, Chateau Pago. Um, this That's is a legit food. bottle. I'm going to say that straight yeah. up. That doesn't yeah. look like something I'd see in the supermarket. And even nope. though we know this is going to be affordable, that looks like if someone, I feel like I would walk into a restaurant and I'd be like, hey, Mr. Smollier pedestrian this 
because that thing looks like like Dracula's stash, dude. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. And so, what yeah. what kind of hey. grapes are these? So this one's a little weird. Um, it's not grapes you're probably ever gonna know. Uh, Claret is the base, so it's a white grape called Claret, forty percent. Um, Bur Blanc, thirty uh, percent. Grenache Blanc, twenty percent. And there's a little bit of Uni Blanc or Trebbiano, ten um, percent. So you get these beautiful citrus wow. notes. Um, Very cool. Bright acidity. It's not overtly fleshy and dense like a Napa Chardonnay. Okay. Um, this is just light on its feet and bright and pretty. I like that description. It's not dense. What am I eating with that one? So you already said shellfish. This is oh, perfect with, yeah, shellfish. get a bunch okay. of crab legs, get a bunch of um, lobster. Hot or anything. cold, because that's a big difference, right? You know, like, I feel like, you know, what you're going to drink, like, if you're having, like, oysters on the half shell, or as you said, or like a lobster roll. You know what I mean? Those yeah, are yeah. different experiences with the shellfish. So yeah, I would say to? cooler. You don't want. I, I mean, you could have this with warmer dishes, but this would go really well with a raw bar, crab legs, shellfish, raw bar, lobster roll, all that stuff. Oh, provided um, that it's a cold lobster roll. Got you. Ah, you got yep. me. Good stuff. Bingo. What about um, like Sam? That's a really good point about the label. So. There is history that goes back. So Pliny the Elder, whatever, the first century, wrote about the wines from this region, oh, wow. from Rome. Who first, are you writing about? Someone from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Jeez, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I know Crosby had a point, but I'm not letting that go. No, Who the I didn't have a Pliny point. the Elder? So he is uh, a Roman philosopher. Um, it's also yeah, a famous beer. I just went to my yeah. local deli and they had like a, they had like a, a they're like, we just got this rack of Pliny the Elder and it's on heavy yeah. discount and they were trying to sell the whole thing of Pliny the Elder. Anyways. Yep. Russian River Brewing Company up in Sonoma. They have a beer. They have two. They got Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger. Um, two beers. I think you mentioned but, Pliny the Younger so, yesterday in the uh, uh, IG Live. IG, okay. Yeah. yeah. But the Romans, Romans are writing about this region first AD, wow. first century. Okay. So it goes back pretty far. Okay. And then we'll get to this in a little more detail uh, with Chateauneuf de Pop. But the Pope of Italy, of Rome, decided to move and set up a new residency in the Rhone in like the 13th or 14th century. Dope as hell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If the wine's so good that the Pope, back when the Pope was like really, I mean, the Pope Mobile's cool, but back then that dude, he he swung it hard. Let's be honest. Yes. Dude was like, we're going to Rhone. That that's what's up. That's yeah. pretty, that's crazy. Old school yeah. Pope from whenever AD. Okay, yeah. noted. Well, mind you, noted. Europe too. Like, everything's so now, much Southern closer. Rhone or just Rhone in general. So he set the house up in Avignon in Southern Rhone which became Chateauneuf de Pop, which is where all these crazy crests come from. It goes all the way back to the Pope. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It's There's a lot of history in this region. When you go to this region... That is Dracula style. We'll call yes. it Pope style. <laughs> and when you go to this region, there's Roman ruins everywhere. There's Roman oh, stuff wow. all over. Yeah, wow, very yeah. cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really cool. Um, but let's go over to the Coterones. Just basic. Ali's running into the store. He grabs Coterone. It's true. I don't know if we brought this up prior. We were talking about it. When I when I first met Steve, he was working at Canal Wine Shop. We went to Canal all the time because they had a monthly wine subscription. We got the cheap one. Like it was 20 bucks, two bottles uh, a month. And I sort of got it. It was basically always Coterone. It was always yeah, good. Always. After a while, I got sick of it just because I'm like, this giant wine stores is zillion things out there, but I clearly was an awful lot of dough. Yeah. Because I cited There's plenty food. of other regions with inexpensive wine that's very good besides the Rhone. So it, it should have been Rhone. called. It was all yes, Rhone. All Rhone. It was Rhone, it was Rhone every single Rhone. month. Rhone. Every it was month. Rhone. Yeah. Every month. I was like, surprise. Because, you know, you didn't know. Then you open it up and you're like, I had no idea. Yeah. Hope to Rome. Wow. You got to spend more on the subscription next time. Clearly, I failed. Yeah. (laughs) So I got a funny K&L story right now because one of the wines I bought, I have had many, many times, Escavale. Um, It's funny. This Black Beetle. The wine is kind of named after this old weird story about the monks that lived there centuries ago. Uh They walked around the hills with uh, black hoods Mm. over their heads. Sounds monkish. And their nickname was Black Beetle. Interesting. um, Because they looked like black beetles scurrying around the hillsides. You really need to have that out there because I'll tell you right now, I tend to not buy things I consume with the freaking bug on it. I was like, that's like this. Unless it's like the Chapuline famous Mexican taco where they make it out of like grasshoppers. and Yeah, yeah. Bugs so are those world, black whatever. beetles actually out there in the region as well? Or is this just the monk? I'm going to guess they're probably there since that's what they were comparing the yeah, creepy monks to. It seems to. like that would be. Um, creepy monks. Yeah. I mean, you know, part of a great wine experience is obviously going to the region. And then hopefully if someone is enlightening you to stuff, you start learning about the insects and the other plants that are growing around the grapes yeah. and how that all plays into one another. So I, I'm I'm assuming that black beetle is hanging around there, I'd hope. Yeah. Other than just the yeah. monks. That's that's a really fun point too. The um, there was a um uh, a bug, we'll call it a bug, I think it's called a louse. It's called phylloxera. It wiped out most of the vineyards in Europe um right around the turn of the um 1900s. Really? Mm-hmm. But the first wine region that got affected by it was Chateauneuf de Pop. I think in like the 1860s or 1870s. So bugs do play a big role. Sometimes they're pests to the vines. Sometimes they're beneficial, like little um, beetles. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like that. But yes, you can dive down rabbit hole like, after rabbit hole. When we hear like vintage, uh, you know, when we hear that term, uh, isn't that referring to the plant being there for a, a very long time? No, so the vintage is when they actually harvested these grapes. So this is a 2018. This is harvested in September or October of 2018. This wine actually, um, funny story, I was trying to look up some information about this and a K&L descriptor came up from 2007 vintage. 
and the review was me. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Amazing. It was pretty funny. Um, but this is uh, from the Village Arresto, but it's 70% Grenache, 30% Syrah. It's all stainless steel. Um, so that's Cote d'Arone, Southern yeah. Marone. And how much yep. does that cost, you think? It's only $15. That is cheap, man. Like, yeah. straight up. Like, especially in this day and age, $15. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then, Ali, you asked about temperature. Is this going to be room temperature? Is this going to be 50 degrees? What What's going on with this kind of red? I like Rhone a little. So let's just 40 degrees 40. for your refrigerator. Um, if you pull a white out like this Cote de Rome Blanc, I'm going to want that around 50 okay. degrees. 40. A big napper 40 cab. The first or, time. 40 seems cold. You've been saying 50 pretty consistently. So 40? Yeah, no, no. So I'm just saying if you were to throw these in your refrigerator, that's what the temperature is going gotcha. to be. Your your fridge runs right around 40. Okay. Gotcha. Um, maybe a little cooler, 38, but you don't want to drink stuff that cold. Okay. That Cote de Rhone Blanc, right around 50. Um, these Cote de Rhones, I like them with a little chill on them. I don't want them at 65, 68. And you were kind of, I think, saying in contrast to, like, say, that big Napa Valley cab yeah. or Zinfandel, you actually want those Cote de Rhones with a, a slight chill. If just a little chill, okay. just like a Beaujolais or like a Pinot Noir. Okay. You want it around 55, maybe. Or what? 50, in the fridge 60. for 20 minutes? Yeah, throw it in the fridge for 20 minutes, pull it, or leave it in the fridge and then pull it out 30 minutes, 45 minutes before you want to drink oh, it. Gotcha. You know, you never think about just sticking the red in the fridge yeah. like that. I'm going to check. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I, there's a lot of reds that I like a slight chill on, just a little bit. But I also have three wine fridges. They're all set at 55 degrees. I'll just pull this out of the wine fridge and leave it on the counter for 15 minutes. All right. I think I'm about to have a huge eat this moment right now for that. Yes. Like that. So yeah. we're talking, this is something a lot of people don't necessarily always think about red wines, having them cold, or at least really we're talking about chilled, right? Yeah. So the Cote de Rome, we're going to stick it, keep it in the fridge, but yep. pull it out 30 minutes before I'm going to drink it. Yep. What are you eating? with a chilled red wine like that Cote de Rome. So roast chicken is an easy, easy thing to talk about, but any sort of roasted meat, you know, sausages is the first thing mm. that came to my mind. Um, <clears throat> not many people just sit around and eat charcuterie and saucissons and all the little sausages, but if you're grilling sausages, anything out on the grill, Cote de Rome, Gingadas, some village or Chateau of the Pop. What about ribs? Ribs would be amazing with Cote de Rome. Okay, so All right, warm, now, this is going to be weird. Warm me. All right, yeah. get weird, Ollie. This is going to be weird, and, and this is more of a question, but it's something that got brought up to me on Twitter a while ago. And, it's, and I think we've talked about this in general, which is the challenge of pairing wine, particularly red wine, with Indian food. Mm. Now, we curry is just there's so broad, but I'm just gonna try and thread the needle here. Still know it's gonna be tricky. I'm gonna toss this out there. Would that wine work with chicken sog? So we're talking about a chicken curry yeah. with minced yes. spinach in there. That would work. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what kind and of curry is this? This is my philosophy on what's what's going on with the curry. What's chicken sod, Ali? Like what? what... No, chicken sod <laughs> will be a basically um for just an Indian curry. So the spices that you're gonna be be hit with flavor wise would be a combination of cumin and coriander, turmeric, uh, some sort of heat source, maybe cardamom, maybe a hint of clove too. And and, and this is. There's so many versions of it, but but, but in terms of what you're looking at, it's going to be like yellow green. Green is coming from the minced spinach that's in there. Um, It might have yogurt, but just a touch. It could have a little bit of cream because that's how Indian restaurants do it. When I make chicken sog, I rarely add, I don't think I really add cream. Maybe I'll add a little bit of yogurt if I feel like it, but I was trying to hit something that would be savory and then and and that's kind of keeping the dial like here right so down here and i don't think it would work but it would be like that chicken tikka masala which is very creamy and tomatoey but then i'm turning the dial up to maybe even like i mean i'll just say it a lamb vindaloo like a spicy so that's just a looks like beef stew but it's lamb Uh, it's spicy Maybe it has potatoes in it, but it's got that rich brown sauce that's like a lot of the same spices I mentioned. Onions that have been cooked out. It's been cooked for a long time as well. Um, Would that work? So these wines are not, these wines are sturdy enough to really stand up to a lot. These aren't light, uh, elegant, and ethereal kind of styled wines. Um, These have a lot of rich fruit. This has alcohol. I mean, uh-huh. these are at, um, this is 14 and a half. These are not, uh, this is 15 and a half oh. for the Chateau de Pop. These aren't um, overpowered wines. So most dishes aren't going to overpower these wines. Um, there's no reason why you can't try these wines with lamb vindaloo, sog, Indian food. Uh-huh. We've talked about this before. My philosophy on pairings, outside of doing some big tannic red with a fish, and there's a chemical reaction that happens, um, it's going to come off metallic. Um, There's no reason to overthink food pairings. I guess for me, though, the fact that you could add a chill you know what I mean? Because yes. a curry yeah, yeah. is also a hot food. And I'd also yeah. just add to it this. You know, Steve's an open-minded guy. He doesn't want to ever tell people that they're wrong. <laughs> I get that. He's he's wearing the white cowboy hat. That's fine. <laughs> That's great. We need that, John Wayne. But at the same time, you can't tell me that a Riesling or Gewürztraminer, a sweet wine from Germany or like East France – doesn't rock with Thai curry. You know oh, what I mean? It's, like it's it's genius when you have that sweet yeah. wine that might be too sweet on its own, but you have it with like a Thai curry and you're like, this is yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, that's what I'm trying to go. Because it's there are exceptional. To, it's hard uh, for parents. wine to behave, I think, in a curry setting. It's a weird thing, you know, and, and, and I, I I was rolling the dice that maybe temperature has something to right, do with right. it. Yeah. White wine, cold curry hot hot you know it's, yep. it's spicy it's it, it might make you sweat Filled it's red. hot food you know what i mean yeah. so that's what i'm trying to figure there out there are classic food pairings that just like 
the German Riesling with spicy Thai food. It's perfect together. Perfect. Um, foie gras and sauterne is perfect together. Yeah. Um, there are other dishes that are traditionally very difficult to pair. Indian food, asparagus. Um, there's, there's a list of other foods that are just very difficult to pair. My point with Indian food, because of that slight chill, those Coterones are going to be fun to drink with kind of cool. Indian nice. food. Yeah. And that Coterone Blanc would be a lot of fun with the Indian food. That's, you know, yeah. I, I mean, the fact that you're talking about wines that are 15, 20 bucks that could rock at an Indian restaurant. Yeah. And look, a lot of those restaurants, they may not even have a corkage. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, that, that's, they're, that's the move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Traditionally, those family restaurants, and this extends to family Thai, family Vietnamese, family Indian restaurants, have shitty wine lists. Greer <laughs> <laughs> oh, kills it. What minute are we in? <laughs> it's true, though. He is totally yeah. right. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you think about, like, what these wines cost, and yes, you got to go to, like, a legit wine store, but good Lord, can you get jacked at the supermarket yeah. with some popular garbage from freaking, honestly, from the West it's Coast. It's an afterthought. America, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Claude de Bois garbage. Yes. Yeah. And those family restaurants, they just don't have the bandwidth. They don't have They're the bandwidth. They're doing so much. They really got to get the food right, you thing. know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what's important to them. You got to make sure the buffet is set to a temperature. <laughs> mass poisoning. And I you know what? They normally, they normally just defer to the rep that's coming in. And they start with beer and they start with spirits. You know, so... Um, an Indian restaurant is always going to want to have a few Indian beers. Usually that comes from a distributor that also has, you know, wines. For Japanese family, Japanese restaurants, they might start with the sake. Um, and then they'll just defer to, yeah, send me what else you have in your portfolio for a wine list. Um, it's, it's just a bandwidth thing. It's easier for them to deal with one distributor. And then usually those distributors also don't have um, a more diverse, interesting wine portfolio. Right. That's why. All right. Um, so, so not, I want to get back yeah. into it because like, I know and I want to find out how much you ended up dropping for all this stuff. But we've gone through a couple of your rows. Yeah. So uh, we did the go that that Blanc was $20. Okay. Actually, it was 23 The uh, Cote de was 15 and 20 we're going into Gingandas and Chateauneuf de Pop. So basically villages or more defined AOCs within the Southern Rhone. So Gingandas is a village, right? Yeah, these are 40 bucks. Now I gotta point this out because I've been seeing this for years. Mm. That E E Gugal. What? E E Gugal. E ATN Gugal. I have seen like buttloads of wine with that stuff yeah he's the largest producer in the room by i mean period um he's a negotiant he owns vineyards they make their own wine um this is the easiest Rhone wine to find everywhere in the u.s that's why i bought it okay um and their standard their quality level uh is very good so you're not going to go wrong with is it going to be the most interesting wine of that uh, region? Probably not. There's going to be other producers. It's a safe bet. 
it's a safe bet. You don't have to worry about this. Um, so Jingadas is another region. This one is primarily Grenache. There's only uh, red says they haven't made white huh? wine from there for like four or five hundred years. I'm looking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got white here. They do. Um, but this is uh, um, Grenache and okay. Syrah. Yeah. Um, another weird grape is starting to come up now. Mouvedre. So it's just a meatier, comes. bigger grape, um, more color. Um, so that has 10% Mouvedre. It's only, um, it's all oak. Half of it is new. So you're not getting too many overt tannins from that wine. It's going to be still a little softer, but you're not going to drink this quite as chilled as your Cote de Rhone. You're going to have this closer to room temperature. So you said it's not tannic. Tannic being wines like, uh, I'm always, I'll say it like 19 times this episode, like a Napa cap. Why is yes. it not tannic? Because of the barrels? Well, some of the barrels and the skins of the grape aren't providing overt. Grenache doesn't come across with overt tannins. Okay. What, yeah. how much did that bottle cost? What are we eating with it? I'm like, now, because I'm, I'm honestly, I'm like, I'm kind of a little fired up. The weather's yeah. cooled off here. I yeah, yeah. actually buy this when we get off. Yeah, yeah. That was 40 bucks for the Zing and Dust. Okay. Um, the Chateauneuf de Pop was 42. Okay. This is a little more of a traditional producer. He's not going to let the grapes get too overtly ripe, but this still sees um, a broad mix of aging material. So this goes into wooden vats. It also goes into, there's an old style of winemaking with concrete vats. Um, they use some of that. Uh, they use dimmies, which are the traditional wood vat that's used in Rhone. They're 600 liters, so they're big wow. barrels. So you're not getting that much uh, juice to wood contact. So it's gonna be also less tannic. And then it does go into some barrel. Um, I don't know. So that's I don't, I don't know the top way to like put it in 15 different freaking chambers or depends, whatever. Depends on the producer. A more modern producer is going to let the grapes ripen to an excessive point on the vine. Uh -huh. They're going to do a lot of extraction to get a lot of color out of that. <clears throat> they're going to ferment dry. They're going to be 16% alcohol. And they're going to go into barrique or 225 liter barrels. Uh -huh. And a lot of it will be new. And it's going to come out with broad shoulders, punchy tannins, very astringent. So um, when you put it through all those different barrels and vats and whatever, that's actually kind of um, chilling it out, tempering it down a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, it's, they call it elevage, but you're raising the wine. You're basically watching that wine come from just juice that was fermented and is now alcohol-based, and you're aging it in different vessels to allow it to evolve. And then you do the blend of all those different bats, in the case of this one, Charbonnier. So it um, makes it smoother. And, yeah, smoother. Wow. You know what else did yeah. this? And I think Crosby will remember this from college days, the double chamber ball. <laughs> It made it smoother. <laughs> you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Like, yeah, that was a cheap pot shot, 90s, we went to college joke, but it actually bears perhaps, perhaps the gentleman at graphics 
uh, learned his art, his craft. Steve, are they putting ice in this like we would put into our uh, bongs? Are they putting ice in the chambers? <laughs> but I'm not wrong, am I? And, and, and I would add to it, one of the things that I've always loved about wanting to just understand more and figure out how to find really, really good French wines is compared to California, uh, Australia, right, even to a certain degree, maybe South Africa, like the transformation of a grape to what a French wine can be is what I find so fascinating. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, where... Where'd the sweet go? Where'd the yeah. tart go? Where the whatever went? You know what I mean? It went, yeah. went through the double chamber bond. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, it's the balance between the tannins, the acidity, the fruit, and the alcohol, all combining in this alchemy to the finished product that's on your palate as one unit. You know that I think it's so funny to actually walk out of here. And now I can say this to like the jerk sommelier and be like, I just really appreciate the alchemy. <laughs> oh, I went, uh, awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> Do it. The brain is hey, and on the food, on the food. Yeah. So now I love duck. I love game birds. I love pheasant. I love quail. These wines are perfect for all the birds. Um, including chicken, um, party styled recipes. So it's really interesting on a food point that you're bringing this up because the other day, and I think I was looking at Instagram, I saw someone post duck and I look, I grew up like, especially like going out to French restaurants in the eighties and the nineties, appreciating what a game bird can be. Right. But there's something like I've found in my food journeys where it's like, I don't want to get hung up on eating just some hunk of an animal. You know what I mean? Like I want, I want to fixate on a flavor in a different way than just like rip its chest out, bring it to me. You know what I mean? Like I want to have some more involved. What restaurants are you going to? What are they doing in Austin? I know. Well, yeah. You know, there you are there's no rights out there, so they're just ripping the chests out of uh, pheasants. Oh yeah. No, to, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, it's yeah. It's uh, it's like a milk-fed um, chest ripper. Oh, this is a chest ripper quail. Awesome. Just ripped it out. Mother was there watching the whole thing. I'm very traumatizing. Um, but but so you know you're saying these things like game bird, duck, stuff like that. Um. I'm trying to think in like kind of the modern context, how I could enjoy this stuff and also in a kind of an unconventional way. Right. So beyond just like a protein on a plate with, I mean, when I did Chateau Pop, I did, uh, I, I grilled the duck breast. I rendered the fat off. I collected the fat and then I threw it in a pan with blueberries and cream. Mm-hmm. And I did yes. a splash of that wine, um, yeah, yeah. you know, cut the breast on the bias and you know, there you go. Huh. But now I'm thinking like, could I get like, Shoot, like, could I have shot to do some pop with Peking duck? You know what I mean? Like, yes. that work? You know, yes. when you get the the, the, the real one, Peking duck, the hoisin yeah. sauce, that crisp yeah, yeah. in chunk of meat, yeah, that could work too. Because you know what I mean? Like, those kinda... duck uh, dishes really. You know what else you could do? Yeah. Goat and lamb. Oh. So, goat tacos, roasted oh. goat, roasted well, maybe lamb. Maybe we're thinking. 
dare I say, Beria, gentlemen? Yes. Like that's I was about to say Beria, but I'm like, that's a little trendy. I'm going to stay away. But not if you're having it with the Gigundas. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Good. Soup goat. Hey, you know what? That's, that'll, you know what? How about this? Like, because, you know, sometimes I feel like Ethiopian. Ooh. A what would that work? Did you guys ever go to Little yes. Ethiopia in LA? Down oh, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. freaking love amazing. It. It's yeah. one of yeah. the gems of Los yeah. Angeles, I would dare to say. Yeah, culinary. Yes, it is. Steve, I wanted to ask you. You've mentioned um, Grenache uh, a lot today, and is there any other sort of remarkable yeah. grapes that are coming from there? I saw like uh, Muscat. Um, Syrah is Syrah's the, the um, <clears throat> okay. the champion, and that's actually our last wine okay. today. Um, you know, they, they grow, I have freaking <clears throat> seen that bottle before. Yeah, I'm yes, pretty sure I bought it and took a picture of it. Yep, because I was so like, that's why I bought delicious. this. Yeah, that's why I bought this. This is a. It's not as big a producer as Gigal, but it's a very. It's. Is that a pop? What is that one? No. So this is St. Combe is the producer. <clears throat> they do, their Cote de Rhone, by the way, is amazing. And it's 100% Syrah. No Grenache mm. whatsoever. Okay. They do a multi-vintage, kind of cheap Solera method where, you know, they have like three or four vintages that blend together over time called Little James Basket. I want to say it's 15 bucks. It's also really fun and good and light and easy. This is actually their Northern Rhone. They do an Hermitage and a Crow's Hermitage, I believe. This is St. Joseph. <clears throat> um, this they call, it is Syrah, but they like to call it a local clone called Syrin. Short for Syringe. <laughs> but it is, it is Syrah. It is Syrah. Sorry, my voice and is. St. Joseph uh, is bit. the name of the village. So that's yeah, this is the area in I'm the northern room. Okay. Yeah, this is St. Joseph. Um, I pulled out because I want to remember there are a lot of different rules up here. So, <clears throat> one of the other villages in northern Rhone is Cornas. That's 100% Syrah, always. Yeah. Um, but Hermitage, Crow's Hermitage, um, they're allowed to add Viognier. Huh. So, and I have is some Grenache numbers Grenache like, a, for like you. a filler grape? Is that what people throw in there? Like, is it sort of a lesser? Well, no, it's a serious grape in okay. the Southern Rhone because almost everything is 70% okay. Grenache. There's even some Chateauneuf producers that uh, do 100% okay. Grenache. Right. I haven't heard that yet from <clears> you, so I was the, just curious about that. In the Northern Rhone, they add in and sometimes co-ferment with the white grape, Viognier, for lift, acidity, um, sometimes alcohol, and floral, so more okay. aromatics. In the, in the Cote Roti, they're allowed to add up that to That is the one I had with the duck. That sucker. Ah. That was expensive. That's expensive. It's very expensive. That's expensive. I didn't buy a Cote Roti, you'll notice. I bought St. Joseph. Ooh, so St. Joseph. Cote also a Northern Rhone. Yep. Mostly Syrah. Wow. Yep. 20% Viognier is allowed in a Cote Roti. Um, That's incredible. 
I can't believe all this. That's a ball. I remember, like, I'm, I'm way back when it was like, they, like they don't come cheap, straight up. You're no. like, yeah. It's like you know, you you want a big, uh, you want a large Ben sedan. We're gonna start at seventy. That's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah. Saint Joseph is allowed up to ten percent whites, and they use more Marsan and Rusan. Um, Marsan being fuller bodied that gives it uh, so I feel like I'm gonna go out on a limb here Saint Joseph I don't mind you I didn't say Joseph I said Saint Joseph the way Steve said it and and coat roti strike me as two uh kind of like pretty good northern uh, yeah. Rhone Syrah wines yep. is the Saint Joseph kind of like the the poor man's or, or you know like the the better buy Yes. So actually, there's um, the region Crows Hermitage mm-hmm. uh, is the largest producer in the Northern Rhone. Okay. So it would be Crows Hermitage is your entry point okay. into the world of Northern Rhone. Cool. Saint Joseph would be next. Okay. This was only forty two dollars. That's it. All right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can easily climb into the hundreds for uh, a coat roti or. Uh, Hermitage oh, wow. quickly. Yeah, oh, but you quickly. said Hermitage was the entry. No, no, Crows Hermitage. So C R O Z E S. So there's Coroti and then just Hermitage. H E R M I T. Because I've seen those Hermitage. Good. I would have been like, oh, he said I have to start here. Right. Yeah. It's the Crows Hermitage is the largest AOC up there. They produce the most. I think it's like fifty or sixty percent of wow. all the Northern Rhone wines. So, so yeah. as far as like you know, let's just call it classical pairings. You know, we can so we don't have hard rules on this. Would all these wines kind of match together similarly with foods? Or is yeah, it yeah, different? and you can get you now. You can start getting into uh, richer, um, bigger, meatier dishes here with okay. uh, Syrah. Syrah's got some. Uh, tar and some, uh, it's slightly floral, but it's a meaty, rich grape. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you can start doing uh, beef dishes with lots of sauces and a Syrah. So some of the more conventional uh, um, fine dining dishes, if you will. Yeah, you don't have to just do fine dining either. You could do roasted okay. pork with this. Um, it's a big wine. So more tannins. Little more alcohol, uh-huh. <clears throat> not not quite the alcohols of Southern Rhone, but these are rich, meaty wines. Could you have it with just uh, prime rib, standing rib roast? Yes. Rib roast. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. get the oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Um, I love prime rib. I immediately think of Taylor's Steakhouse, prime rib, uh, yeah. and that Saint Joseph. Yeah. Ooh, good to know. So I feel like. Um, you know, people think, in my mind, I'm always thinking about, like, these, like, kind of, like, big, like, California Zinfandels and, and the cabs. But I always feel like they actually are, you think it would be good, but it's not. It's like, I want to think about steak while I drink that wine. But then if I'm yeah, yeah. actually in the act of, like, hunk of, like, perfect, rare to medium rare prime rib, dunking it in the au jus, and then splash down yep. that saint joseph maybe the roti if someone else is buying you know what I yeah, mean? yeah um but but that's actually a very good steak wine is i think what you're yep. saying 
Yeah, and how much more exciting is it to order a Northern Roan, a Crow's Hermitage or Cornas St. Joseph, than going, I'd like the Napa Cab. Or, or, um, or Bordeaux. I was yeah. going to say, or Bordeaux, which is going to, yeah, yeah. frankly, cost you a lot more money, right? At a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is going to be less. A St. Joseph or a Cornas or a Crow's Hermitage, you're getting a high quality wine for less money. That. We're getting good at this. I'm yes. saying, like, that's the whole point right there. All right, that's, I got a question. Mm, it's only $42. I got a question here. What about, we mentioned this with sort of the pub food, and uh, what about fried stuff? Like, what about, like, a fish and chips? Like, what would we pair with something like that? This would overpower would fish overpower. and chips. All, except for that Croque de Rome Blanc. And that fish and chips would be really so, like, fun. Red, I don't usually do reds and fish just because there's that possible chemical reaction. It could possibly be metallic tasting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I like to stick with, there's too many great whites in the world to not drink white with fish or rosé. So you have a little more kind of brighter, higher, prettier strawberry tones where you with the fruit from the wine. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, there's just too many great whites and rosés to not stick with those with fish. And then start in here, but fried chicken sandwich? I was going to uh, say, because I like your fried, so let's move it up. We're going to eat fish from filet yeah. fish Friday. Any <laughs> meat on Friday, Catholic school joke. Not Catholic. Fried, so fish, okay, fried chicken. What Of those yeah. wines, what works with fried chicken? That coat to Okay. Those cocarones with a little bit of chill on it. With uh, e you can even have a spicier fried chicken, a Nashville chicken. But that Cote de Rome Blanc, I mean that Cote de Rome Blanc is very, very versatile. You like that one? Okay. Yeah. Or Chat, and there is Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc. You're going to spend a little more money. It's a little more rare. They don't make a lot of it. Um, but that's also an interesting white. And then um, don't we haven't even talked about Viognier. Um, full-bodied, higher alcohol um, from the place called Condrieu. Um, that's also a very versatile. That's also in the Rhone as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's up there by Saint Joseph. Okay, so I want to keep moving up here. Um, oh yeah, this is, a, this is a tricky one, but possible. Um, schnitzel, like schnitzel <laughs> Milanese, like a port. Pork, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You brought oh, yeah. the pride. I want to keep. We're going to go through all the the animal kingdom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason why you can't do. I was also going to mention. Don't forget pasta, meaty pasta sauces with uh, noodles. These wines will be great, like a lamb ragu with uh, penne or something with that chateau de pop or even the Cote Um Pork schnitzel with these wines would be great. Okay, what about so I, I I'm just obsessed with the the de pop, the the Hermitage. Uh what was the cheaper Hermitage? Let's just focus there. Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph. Let's would just call it Saint Joseph. What about this? Chicken fried steak. Ooh, Jesus. Where do you even find well, you're in Texas. Bingo. Probably Although what's the you know what the irony is? It's not here in Austin. Okay. Um, I mean, someone could make it for sure, but I think it's if you go to H Town, 
You know what I mean? You're going to find like those fajitas, those cheap yeah, yeah. fried steaks. They just have these kind of like, I don't know, older, you know, Tex-Mex, Texas type stuff. You know, Austin's like too new. You know? yeah, yeah. If they have an old school place, it's probably just like kind of like bad. You know what I mean? Doesn't chicken fried steak have gravy? Like a rich. Yeah, it's going to have a country gravy. I mean, you yeah, should yeah. expect that going in. Yeah, I'd rather, I almost would think a white, um, like a Chateau Neuf de Pop Blanc, but you could do the Chateau Neuf de Pop or the Gingadas with it. Um, I would stay away from all Syrah variations. Oh, Just uh, you want something, okay. you want something meatier. Okay. Got it. <clears throat> okay. All right. Okay, so yeah. how about this? I'm just going to keep, keep running. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Because, you know, it is, it is the thing. It is, I will say this, and this is a total sweet spot. $40, done. $60, yeah. done. I, if I, I, that is within my bandwidth to go, we're going to have a really nice steak tonight. Yeah. And I'm going to get this wine well under 100 bucks, mind you, too. You know what I mean? 40 60 no problem. What? cut of steak would you recommend with um you know the the, the Hermitage, the saint joseph the the de pop right of uh, the fattier fattier the ribeyes the, the ribeye rib side of the world and one of my favorite things to cook at home is leg of lamb i freaking love lamb but Mess to cook a leg of lamb leg of lamb this, with that saint joseph wow or any Syrah, Northern Rhone Syrah would be amazing. <clears throat> and just to remind you. Can you guys hear me, by the way? Can you yeah, yeah. Me? We got you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something cut out. So uh, it says we're on minute one of our recording. No, you mine cut out. Mine is 57.22. Okay. So I yeah, cut yeah. out and I mine just restarted. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You cut out okay. Um, okay. for a while. Yeah, okay. we have. I'm at. I can't see. Oh yeah, 58 minutes. All right, let's pray this works. <clears throat> Keep going, you guys. Um, the most expensive wine today was the St. Joseph uh -huh. and the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Uh -huh. And I only spent 42 bucks on both of these. That's it. Um, this is gonna be my last thing before we, I'm sure we have to kind of wrap this up, but it is getting near crisp weather time, right? Yep. Um, this is always tricky for me because you hear, you find, you know, the, these recipes start to pop up, like, you know, wine braised beef shanks, for example. Wine braised yes. beef shanks. Problem is, with those dishes, and why I actually like to order them at the restaurant, is whatever you're paying for, you also have to buy the wine. So even wine, if the cut right. of meat is cheap, you know, you got to freaking buy two bottles. Of, I mean, you got to cover the meat with this stuff. What yeah. would be a good wine here for braising? That cheapy Cote Rome, the Black Beetle, fifteen bucks. Really? Okay. okay, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Nine. You could buy two of these, or you could buy one for the braising and the cooking, and then jump into that Chateau Neuf de Pop or Saint Joseph for Cornas. Genius. For so the Southern Rhone for your cooking wine. Yeah. Northern Rhone for your table. That, yeah, yeah. That's the move. Because I'm telling you, I, I've looked at these recipes and I'm just like. Shit, it's gonna cost me. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know, like of course it's not like I wanna save the most precious bottle of wine and then boil it. Yeah. But yeah, right. think about it. Time think about that recipe that calls for Calvados. That that's gonna set you back sixty bucks. But it was a splash of Rooney. 
You know what I mean? It was yeah, yeah. for this much. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you have to think about that kind of stuff. But if you're planning that braised beef shank dinner, it's getting cooler outside. You're going to have a great Saturday night. You get a coat de roan for the braising, and you throw down at the table with your friends on the northern roan or the Shethan of the pot. For some reason, and maybe it's it's going to be a weather thing too, but all these wines you've talked about, especially these kind of like more expensive special wines, I think about braised meat dishes just seem yeah. to be the way to freaking go here. Yeah. You know? I always go to um, roasted lamb, leg of lamb. That's like my go-to winter dish. I freaking wow. love it. You can eat it for days. Um, you can make all kinds of things out of uh, leftovers. Because you're not going to eat, unless you have six, eight people, you're not going to eat the entire leg of lamb. Um, yes, I will. Like, <laughs> uh, I, you know you haven't seen I, Ali at the uh, Renaissance Festival yet, obviously. Yes. No. Yeah, I. you know what? I, if we do, <laughs> this would be a great, well... Now we can talk about this when we're offline. <laughs> we'll talk about this when we're offline. But I know we went a little no. long today. This is a big episode. We're at one hour. I but... learned a lot, though. I have to say. Yeah, like, they're, this. you know, I'm like, what does this mean? And now I feel like I'm walking away with, I have an adventure planned. I know yeah, I, I, I have an idea for actually cooking things for this stuff that I'm nice. excited about. So this is cool. Very good stuff. Very good awesome. stuff. Well, Steve, good. any any notes that you wanted to hit that you didn't get to that we may have glossed no, over? I wow. think we covered everything. Um, incredible uh, a bit of knowledge you just gave us. There's a lot in the Rhone. I mean, and this is an easier region to really do a full overview of. Usually I like to, you know, just pick out one or two AOCs within a region mm -hmm. to talk about. This is a little easier because there's a lot of similarities. I feel like the contrast the between north and south helps me kind of go, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. There it is. Well, this was great, guys. I'm just glad we didn't make a terrible, like, political joke about the senator of AOC over the course of this oh, conversation. Good. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's a congresswoman, but yeah. yeah. Or sorry, but you know. Eat the rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've just been really enjoying this season. Um, Steve, so much knowledge to, to give us. I, I feel like I need to watch this episode twice just to get it all in. But uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. Good this was region. this was a lot of fun. Good regions. Great. Oh, yeah. I've got some cooking to, inspired cooking to do here. Yeah. yeah, Ali. Let us know if you uh, if you uh, splash any of this uh, wine and some of your braised meats uh, in the uh, winter months here. I think it's gonna come. I mean, you know, it's uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, there. There are a couple of things that I'm like literally slated to cook. Ooh, you know what? I'll throw this out at you. And we could be way off here, but something I might do is two years ago I did a um, Tejano Thanksgiving. So I wanted to like incorporate Mexican okay. flavors into Thanksgiving. So I did a, um, you know, like a dried chili beer brine. So I did okay. like beer, guajillo, ancho, garlic, all the good <clears> stuff. <throat> probably some spices too that I'm forgetting. Brine the turkey in that, right? Okay. Roasted it. Wow. Um, and then I made a mole grape 
So what mm. I did was I just did a basic roux, right? Uh, wow. Added chicken stock till I got it to, you know, gravy setting. And then I spiked it with a little bit, little bit of, of cinnamon and chocolate. You know, okay. I, I just, you know, moles can have so much to it. Um, yeah. My kid's allergic yeah. to nuts. So I had to like, I, 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 and, and, you know, I didn't want, I just wanted to kind of like bring in what I thought was interesting about mole. Um, yeah. And, oh, and you know what? I also had that, I had a chili puree bread. So I, 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 I simmered and then pureed ancho, guajillo, pasilla peppers. Yes. And, and that wow. was also <laughs> the gravy too, along with the, the turkey brine. Um, what would, what wine would I drink with that? And obviously. Coach Rohn. Coach Rohn. Slight chill on it. I mean, you could just, and at $15, you can just have five, six bottles of these around for everybody to just, you know, enjoy just with the uh, turkey. Yeah. So Coach wow. Rohn with yeah. that mole gravy turkey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember I made a chicken as an example, and I brought it to one of my guys who's a He's brilliant. Probably like he's he's got the best street taco in Austin. Um, really, he's awesome. He's awesome. Like uh, he just he, he slings two dollar tacos, but he freaking is. But he worked in restaurants. You know what I mean? It's not just like some spot where all the homies go to. Like he's he's a, he's yeah. a chef. You know. Um, and uh, I brought him that meal, and he literally was like. I, it's good. I take like he got, and it was weird. I mean, it was just basic gravy, basic, right. basic white gravy, or yeah, you know, basic, you know, gravy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a brown gravy, and there's yellow gravy. I don't know what you call it, chicken gravy, whatever. That I always do for freaking Thanksgiving, like mm, gravy done, but just a little cinnamon and chocolate. I'm getting really hungry right now. Just now I'm like, mole. you know what I mean? It's weird. Anyways, yeah, I want mole now. Oh. Wow. Ooh, so on that note, would any of these work with a mole? Yeah, yeah, that the Cotarone is that versatile. <clears throat> it's wow. it's light enough, it's not gonna overpower the food and vice versa. So it has some richness to it, but it's still light on its feet enough to where neither one is gonna overpower the other, which is really all you're ever wanting to do with uh, food pairings is match. Would 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 the um, Saint Joseph Joseph work with a biryani? Mm, that would be a little. It would overpower the dish. Okay, great. Wow, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. All right, we can go on. This has been a good one. I need, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna eat too. <laughs> Thank no, you guys. Now. Thank you guys for another great episode of Eat This, yeah. Drink That, episode yeah, six. Yeah. Yeah. Steve dropping knowledge like a mad scientist. So let's sign out and uh, catch up with you. See you guys next week. Next week. All right. Bye, everybody.